It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Hi there, friends. Welcome back to Beyond the Building. We are excited in this month of April to be going through the Reed's journey in the Easter story. And if you've been traveling along with us, we are in our last week uh, that we are doing this amazing, amazing study using this tool that we've talked about in the past, uh, the Reads tool. If you aren't familiar with it, you can go back to episode 92 and check it out. But we're going to be looking at this amazing passage today. We're going to be asking God what he would speak to each of our hearts and then sharing it with you. Now, as we're going through this passage, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24 specifically. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I would encourage you, get your Bible out. Check out the passage, right? And maybe share it with a couple of friends afterwards. See what God speaks to you personally as we're asking him what he would speak to our hearts today as well. We have the privilege of having Deb's dad, uh, Mr. Khan. Kurt Khan, Dad Khan, uh, here with us today. And that is always a joy as he brings such an amazing uh, perspective. God speaks to him in such an amazing way as we do these reads together. So I'm excited to see what he has for us today and hope that you will follow along with us in your word. So Dad, welcome. We're always glad to have you back. Nice to be here. It's always <laughs> a joy. Pleasure. Uh, we love we love this. Uh, so we're looking at Luke 24, 13 to 35. If you are with your Bible, we encourage you to do that. In fact, we really encourage you to do your own reads on this, not just take take what we share today and run with it. Um, it's a long passage, guys. So I think what we'll do is as we are sharing what we were examining, the part where we ask the Holy Spirit, highlight what you want me to focus on. Uh, we'll read those particular scriptures. And but remember, this is this is after Jesus has died, buried, and is resurrected. This is very, this is in that time period where he starts appearing to his disciples. Um, and this is the road to Emmaus. And and where we where we pick up in this story, the road to Emmaus, it's uh, just outside of Jerusalem, about seven, about seven miles. And there are two men who are walking along this path discussing everything that had just happened. You know, it was a busy, it was a busy week, right? There was a lot to talk about. And you think about from the entrance into Jerusalem all the way through the crucifixion. And they're just trying to process what happened. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up. He walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. I was drawn to that, about their, their inability to see him. If I jump forward into uh, verse 31, there's a point where at this point, Jesus has been walking with them and they still don't know who he is. And I'm thinking, like they were, they were not able to see him. They were kept from recognizing him. And yet they had spent time with him. They, they knew at least enough of the story that you should be able to recognize him but that was missing. Then when they get to this table, they're going to have a meal and Jesus takes the bread in verse 30 and he breaks it and he gives it to him. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. Mm. Verse 32, then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? I think what I was drawn to was a progression where 
they they didn't have Jesus there. They were talking about him. Then they had Jesus there. They didn't recognize him. Then they recognized him and then he disappeared. And then they commented on, hey, didn't you feel in your heart like a burning when we were with him? I also went back. I was curious on the, the I was curious about uh, other gospels. It's like looking at the same story from a different camera lens. And I went back to Mark 16, verse 12. And it says, after this, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them as they walked along in the country. I thought that was interesting, different form. And if you look at that that word in the Greek, it actually talks about a different expression on the outer form, but in complete harmony with the inner essence. So Jesus hasn't changed. He just was appearing on the outside different. Awesome. Same, same Jesus. I thought that was really interesting. When it talks about their eyes were open, the wording there actually means to be opened completely. So their understanding opened up completely at that one moment in verses 31 and 32. And then they're sharing about this burning that was taking place inside. So there's a sequence there. I think for this month, we've had a lot of sequence discussion between the, the couple of us. Physically, two men talking about the events of the week. Physically, two men with Jesus and not recognizing him. Two men suddenly recognizing who he is. Then he disappears. And two men now saying, hey, there was something, even when we didn't recognize him, there was something that was burning deep inside of us of an awareness of his presence. We just didn't know it. Yes. So I'm going to say that I'm going to hold there because the application, the dialogue, it's really interesting. So it was a sequence of um, beginning to recognize Jesus, whether he was physically there or physically not there. Mm. So that's kind of where I started looking at dad. What did you get for your examine? Well, like once again, like you, I got two sections that I thought were interesting. 24 to uh excuse me, not 24, chapter 24, 13, verse 2, 16. The two disciples were walking along, and what I thought was interesting, Jesus initiated this uh, encounter. And uh, there wasn't anything in particularly noteworthy about these disciples. Mm -hmm. They weren't any of the original 12 and so forth. So uh, I began thinking about that, and I thought, in all the other religions of the world, man chases after God. Every other religion, people try to earn his love, try to do enough good to be acceptable. In Christianity, God chases after man. Amen. And the two disciples got to meet Jesus because he initiated the encounter. The other thing that I, I took from this was uh, further down in the uh, scripture, we talked about the burning heart. People have good hearts, but they need the witness of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, I can say from my own experience, I was born again, but it was 16 years before I found out about and realized the importance of the power person of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's only after I prayed for that experience, that encounter with the Holy Spirit, that my life really changed. Their hearts burned. What does that actually mean? 
Jesus was filled and powered, of course, by the Holy Spirit. These men probably were believers and had the Holy Spirit in them also. But there was an encounter between the Holy Spirit in Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the two men. There are wonderful times in our Christian experience, like a, a really inspiring sermon or a really inspiring music or inspiring, uh, a, a really exciting testimony where something in us leaps up and we it registered truth. This is truth. And it's, it's, it's more than just knowing in your head. It's knowing in the spirit. And that's what happened to these people. They had this heart on fire because the spirit in Jesus was encountering the spirit in them. Hmm. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love both of them. I should have said at the very beginning of this, I am struggling getting over a, a cold here. So I do have a weak voice. Um, but here we go with uh, what I feel like God was showing me as I was examining this passage. And I love what both of you just shared, but what really spoke, uh, stood out to me was what the two that were walking on the road to Emmaus actually said to Jesus, right? They're saying, well, we're talking about Jesus and Atheris. I'm in verse 19. And he was a prophet. He was powerful in the word and indeed before God and all the people. And then he goes on to say, like the priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But here it is, verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And we'll go on in a minute with the rest of this passage. But what really stood out to me was there was a crisis going on in their story. And man, they had really hoped that God was going to bring about the solution to their crisis in a very specific way, through a very specific individual, the way that they thought it should go. And you can hear their conversation. You can hear them talking right to Jesus, not recognizing who they're talking to. And you can almost hear their tone. It's very hopeless. They had hoped that something was going to happen, that he was the one that was going to do things the way that they wanted him to do. It goes on to say, like, it's been the third day since this took place. And man, I've studied this so many times and I've heard it in church recently so many times that back in Hebrew, Hebrew tradition, this does not align with the necessarily the word of God. It does not align with the word of God, but their tradition that they had developed through the years, right, as they added to the scriptures, that was that for three days um, a spirit was restless after an individual had died. And so in their hearts, there was always this hope that in three days, perhaps that body and that spirit would reconnect and there would be some kind of a, a physical resurrection. And so they're re they're saying, we, we thought it was going to go this way, we hoped. And now, like the third day is even gone. Like even the, the spiritual thing that we hoped might have happened, it's not happening. And so they're feeling very, very hopeless. Now, Jesus... Isn't it fascinating? Like, you're, this is like, and this also just side note, right? This is why Jesus raising Lazarus on the right. fourth day thinking that. was such a, a monumental event because in yes. their mind, in their it tradition, it could never have happened, right? Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is fascinating. And so here you've got these individuals who like all hope is gone. It is just not going to happen. There's no way Israel's going to have a redeemer here. And they go on to say, right, that Whitman, verse 22, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early and they didn't find his body. And they came and they told us that they had seen angels and the angels said he's alive, right? But when they all went back, they found it just as the women said, but they still did not see Jesus. 
And so the, the two that are walking on the road to Emmaus, they're actually saying to Jesus, man, we have lost all hope. And there are people that have a testimony, right? That the body is gone, but their testimony was void of power, right? Because they had not seen Jesus. And so this speaks to my heart, right? In all of my stories that I'm walking through and the places that I am expecting or have anticipation that God is going to move in where I have hope, right? I don't have a testimony filled with power until I see Jesus in my story, right? It's not about what other people say. It's not about what I say. It's that moment where I'm going through the hard and boom, there's Jesus there. He stepped into this moment. That's when it becomes the story of power and they hadn't seen it yet. So like they couldn't have hope because it didn't go their way. They couldn't have hope because what they thought was going to happen spiritually didn't happen. And they couldn't have hope because nobody had a testimony. They had, they had a story, but they didn't have a testimony that was full of power that could open up their eyes to see the truth of what had actually happened at the open tomb. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we take where God was drawing us in the examine, and then we go to application and we ask the Lord, what do you want me to remember? Like narrow it down, right? Like a key, key phrase. And for me, remember there was the transition from not being with Jesus, not seeing him, then being with Jesus, not seeing him, seeing him, then he's gone. And there's the burning. That was where my application is going to come from. I need to remember that the more I abide, which is that word of connection, right? That we love to teach on. My heart is going to burn more. My heart will burn more with more. Dad, what did you write for your application? I need to remember that I can really only know Jesus by the witness of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Hmm. Amen. Minds, I need to remember that correctly placed hope aligned with God's word does not disappoint. That's great. Mm. So dialogue is where you're literally writing your journal. Father, what do you want to speak to me about this particular scripture? I wrote that and said, Debbie, people depend so much on tangible experiences and they struggle to believe my word because it requires having faith, even when you don't see the physical or the tangible experience. I want my kids to have their hearts burn with awareness of my presence, even when they are looking at their circumstances and they don't see how I'm working. So keep teaching them to believe my word, that it is the truth, regardless of their circumstances. Keep teaching them to listen for my voice. Keep teaching them to respond to the deep call that I've placed on them on the inside. Although I did open the eyes of these men briefly to recognize my presence, they really needed to grow in their faith by the burning of their hearts. Debbie, abide in me. The more you are faithful to remain in my will, the more your heart will burn. Amen. We all have a similar thing going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Dad, what about your dialogue? Uh, Lord, what do you want to say to me regarding this particular scripture? Kurt, I want to impress upon you how similar you are to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. From the time you were born until you were 16 years old, you were taken to church and were totally oblivious to what you were hearing in the church and in Sunday school. 
Then at 16, you were born again at the Billy Graham crusade in Philadelphia. Like the disciples on the road, you had become a believer, but you were so very unaware of the intimacy of that relationship. As they heard Jesus explain the scriptures, they felt their hearts burning with the truth. This also became a truth for you when you heard about the filling of the Holy Spirit and the powerful revelation of this truth moved from your head to your heart. Your relationship with me has never been the same since. So you see, this account of the road to Emmaus has been repeated and will continue to be repeated in the world billions of times over as my spirit continues to be poured out on all flesh. Continue to seek the truth of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Hmm. Amen. Uh, mine says, Laura, I want you to know that hope is heavy when it's anchored to the wrong source. Many times you say you are hopeful that X will happen, similar to, to the two on the road to Emmaus. Your expectations are based on what you desire me to do. And so you carry that hope, holding it close, hoping that you will trade it in for the outcome you are praying for. But that's not how it works. Yeah. Hope that does not disappoint is hope that allows me to carry the outcome. Your prayer, your expectation, when based on my desires rather than yours, are placed in my hands so you can rest in hope. Like the two on their way to Emmaus, carrying your desired outcome leads to a place of disappointment and no ability to release it. I will carry the desired outcome of my father. You walk with me and you will not be disappointed. Mm, powerful. These are all powerful. I'm telling you. It's, it's amazing. So let's jump into the final part, which is, Father, what do you want to show me? What do you want me to see in this passage? Mine was really simple. I saw um, the vine and the branches, that place of connection. Um, Cause for me, that is a place you're right. Where I teach a lot about that. Um, it's funny. I'm, I'm even smiling because in 24 hours from when we're recording this, I'm teaching on it. It's just, it's a, maybe it's either something I need to really, really learn or <laughs> that uh, is important to me, but I see that place of connection, right? Where the branch attaches to the vine and I see uh, a flame right there where it's really bright and big. Mm. And then I see as you move out the branch, the flame gets smaller and less bright as you move out. And so the key is staying right connected to him. And that's what he told me um, that the, I need to remember that the more I abide, the more my heart will burn. So if I feel for my, it's just such a, a reminder that if I'm feeling like my heart is not burning with hearing him, sensing his presence, I'm probably not right where he wants me to be in that place of abiding amen because that's the place of burning for me so pop sometimes the sea is one of my favorite kinds of seas and that's like a video the holy spirit gives me a video awesome here's what i had i see a video of jesus walking up to the two disciples as they are talking with each other i see their hearts in their chests I see that their hearts are very faint pink. I see Jesus now engaging them in conversation. The expressions on their faces really haven't changed. Just curious about what this stranger wants. 
as I see them walking along together, I see an increasing brightening of their hearts from pink to bright red. As they continue to walk further with Jesus, I see some flames begin to flicker and burn and surround their hearts. The vision stops. You know, it's funny, Dad, I think in the first week of this month, when we were talking about the Gethsemane scene, your C was Indiana Jones and as I'm with the Holy Grail. And here I'm, I'm listening to you read this and I'm like, it's like E.T., do you remember when E.T. would touch and like the heart would start to burn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Why did God give yes. me that E.T.? <laughs> we started with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, we should end with E.T. It's a cute example. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> Laura, what do you have? You know what I really liked about yours, DadCon, is, um, is sometimes we think our hearts uh, or a fire within us, right? And sometimes we expect that that fire is going to be at that full ignition stage immediately. And I love that your video was like, God sparks a fire, right? And like fans it into a flame. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's really pretty cool. Wow. So that, that's, that shows a lot of grace to all of us. All right. So mine was um, similar to my dialogue. Like I was carrying a large, heavy, dark an anchor uh, and Jesus was standing next to me in a white robe, right? With empty hands, but he's, his face is turned toward me. And I can tell, you know, how you can look you know, somebody's face is like, are you going to do something? Are you going to do something? So there was this anticipation of this expectation that I was going to release what was in my hands. But one of the things that I noticed as I'm kind of seeing this play out is that he never tries to take it from me. Like he's, he's waiting until I choose to release it. And I love that because I'm almost picturing like if this had gone another way, right. And in my, my see, he had tried to take it. I can almost see myself being like, like I really want to let go of it. Right. And then, and then possibly like the anchor drops, who knows, like you've got to release it. God is so good. He's so gracious that he allows us to be the one to let it go as he picks it up. Mm -hmm. Amen. Wow. I love this. Yeah, it's good. This has been an awesome month. I hope, I hope as you have listened to these four different podcasts, four parts of the passion story that it, if anything, it has encouraged you to get your Bible and your journal open yourself. Yes. Right. These are, it's fun to share this, but this is our, this is for us from the Lord. You have something specific that he has for you. And so I really encourage you, you know, go back, go back and revisit it. You can never glean everything that he has. Amen. So That's I really encourage you to do that. Um, so dad, thank you for visiting with us two times this month, a special treat. It's been good to be here. Yeah. It was fun. It yeah. was so much and fun. Thank you. You guys, a little heads up. We have a two, two months coming ahead, Laura, which are going to be crazy fun in the month of May. We are focusing actually on mother daughter relationships. Now, if you're like, well, I don't have a daughter. I only have sons speaking for myself, right? I have, yeah, sons. Yeah. um, it's the principles are the same, but we have four weeks of mother-daughter combinations um, coming to share about that relationship. And one of them is going to be a day where my mom and your mom are going to be on the on the uh, podcast. Super excited. I can't wait. About time to get mommy on here, right, dad? Yeah. And then we're going to be focusing on some wonderful dads in the month of June. Of course, dad, you're coming back for that one. So that'll be fun. Yep. So thanks for being part of our April series on the Passion Week using the Reads Bible Study Tool. I uh, encourage you to share this with your friends. And we just thank you as always for being part of our community. We love you guys. 
Have a wonderful, wonderful end of April. That's right. See you soon. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.